Kijinaba. We'll start with the no karma. Om Namo Arihantanam. Om Namo Sitanam. Om Namo Ayariyanam. Om Namo Jayanam. Namo Luisa Vasabuna. Esu Panchanamu Karu. Tava Pava Panasano. Mangalalancha Salvesim. Paramam Have Mangala. Paramam Have Mangala. So we talked a bit last week about what obligation we have to promote Jainism and whether that's our responsibility or not. And we also talked about how each of us is an ambassador for Jainism. So this week, in an effort to be a good ambassador, I want to address one of the common questions we always get and we're always going to get. That is, how is Jainism different from Hinduism? Now, Hinduism is so popular that it's a reference point for most people. Most people know it, right? Um, so if we learn about the differences between Jainism and Hinduism, we can help people understand Jainism. And then we can be a better ambassador. And if you think that it's our responsibility to promote Jainism, then we can help do that. So one of the big differences is that Hindus believe in the concept of Brahman. Um, sometimes in that Brahman, not Brahman, but Brahman goes by different names called the Absolute, the Divine, or God. Okay, so we're just going to use the word God. So Hindus believe that God pervades everything, pervades the entire universe. It's part of you, it's part of you, it's part of anything. Um, and it's not, well, we'll get to whether it's your soul or not. But God created the universe, God sustains the universe, and God will destroy the universe. Okay, so that's a really big important point. That's a fundamental point of how Jainism is different from Hinduism. That is, Jains don't believe that a God created the universe. That is, Jains believe the universe is eternal. It was always there and it will always be there. But Hindus believe that God created the universe and sustains the universe and will destroy the universe. And that is called the Holy Trinity of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. That is, Brahma is creation. That, not Brahman, okay, what we're talking about, but the Brahma, the God Brahma, represents creation. Vishnu represents the sustaining of the universe, and Shiva represents the destruction of the universe. And so, if you believe that God created the universe, that alters kind of the whole, the whole religion um, once, once you believe that. Because now you have to, if, if something created the universe and can destroy the universe and that thing has emotions, you have to, you can run afoul of that God, right? And something can happen to you. Or you try to please that God and you perform different things to try to please that God. Um, so James believe, uh, of course, that um, for example, let's take Mahavir. Mahavir didn't create the universe. Mahavir was a soul, just like me and you. And he was a man, and a, a person, just like me and you. And we admire the soul for the qualities that it had. Not that it has some power over us to alter our life or to destroy our life or to make our life better. So that's, um, it, it's also kind of one of the hardest things to get your mind around. That is, okay, so God is in everything. And when we die, we return to that soul. 
That is, that is, God is the great soul, and we are a part of that. And when we, not when we die, when we become liberated, we return to that soul, and we, uh, they, they call it, we are unbound, or our soul is boundless, because it becomes part of the great soul. So that's the first basic difference. The second basic difference is that Hindus believe that there are four goals in life. Uh, Jains believe we have one goal in life, right? That is to uh, attain moksha. And how do we do that? We do as much nirja as possible, right? Uh, Hindus believe there are four goals in life. Number one, dharma is the spiritual path. You follow the dharma. Uh, number two is artha, the material prosperity that you pursue. So you pursue material prosperity. Number three is kama, or the enjoyment of the material world. Hey, come on in. Um, and number four is moksh, the liberation from the material world, right? So this is the biggest difference. That is, uh, this is the second biggest difference. That is, number two and number three. You pursue material prosperity and you enjoy the material world. And so that corresponds with um, Hindus believe that there are four stages of your life. Uh, the first stage is when you're a student, you're learning. The second stage is when you're a householder. The third stage is when you retire and you're searching for the truth. And the fourth stage is when you renounce the world. So as you move through life, these are the four stages. And they kind of roughly correspond to these four goals of the Dharma, the Artha, the Kama, and the Moksha. And so now, James, of course, believe that well, there's not a portion of your life where you're supposed to pursue material things. And there's not a portion of your life where you're supposed to enjoy material things. You're supposed to do as best as you can to renounce them your whole life. And if you can do it when you're younger, that's great. And if you can do it when you're older, that's great. But the purpose, of course, is to do as much nirjara as possible. And remember, nirjara is the shedding of karma from your soul. And that brings us to a very important point, too. Um, so first of all, any questions about that? Number one and number two. God as a creator and the goals that we are to have while we are here. Lose the four goals that you mentioned. The third one is karma or kama? Kama. C-A-M-A. K-A-M-A. Yeah. Enjoyment of the material world. Okay. So that brings us to a good point about this um, soul and karma. That is, Hindus do believe in karma. That is, your actions result in karma that binds to your soul, and then you receive the fruits of that action, right? But it's very different because Hindus do not believe that karma pollutes your soul. So Jains believe that, well, your soul has these characteristics, infinite uh, power, infinite energy, infinite happiness. And it is the karma that pollutes your soul that is constraining you to this body, right? And that's why we try to get rid of all our karma. It's not like that in Hinduism. Um, although there is reincarnation and karma and like that, the purpose of the purpose is to achieve liberation. But the karma doesn't pollute your soul. Rather, you do things like Karma yoga, which is performing duties, jnana yoga, studying scriptures, bhakti yoga, loving God through the, the devotion and service, that doesn't erase the karma, that doesn't shed the karma from your soul. 
you just do those things and then you become unbound and then you return to the eternal soul, right? So it's not that karma is polluting your soul. Rather, it's just forcing you into this cycle of life and death. And once you do these different yogas, you don't get rid of karma. And to uncover your soul more fully, rather, you do these things and then you will return to the great soul. Or return, your soul will become part of God as it once was. Because God permeates it. Do they have anything that gives rid of karma? Or are you saying those activities? Are you saying those activities are not getting rid of the karma? Right, right. What, do they have something that considered? I think they just um, when your karma comes to fruition, that's it. Then you get rid of it. But it's not necessarily that you get rid of it, and that is how you become liberated because it's not polluting your soul. Okay, questions about that. Okay, so the next one, of course, the fourth um, main difference between Hinduism and Jainism is that Hinduism is polytheistic. There are various gods, and they represent various qualities. There's just the one creator, remember, the Brahman, but it's not really manifestations of the god, but there are various gods that represent the qualities of different things. That is how you access the, that is how you access God. So God is neither male nor female, neither human nor animal, but everything and everywhere. Okay. And so when we, when we talk about different gods in Hinduism, like Ganesh and Saraswati, uh, because God is not male or female or human or animal, those are different ways to worship God because of those specific qualities. And people like different one, ones of the gods. Um, so Ganesh, uh, the god of wisdom, Saraswati is the god of learning, the goddess of learning, excuse me. Lakshmi is the goddess of prosperity. Uh, Rama shows people how to live the path of Dharma. And Krishna um, is the god of eradicating evil and protecting what is good. So all of these are qualities of God. And they're embodied in these different gods. It's kind of the wrong word, right? Okay, let's use, let's, let's scratch that and let's use a different word. So all of these things are the qualities of God. And people like to worship these different qualities in the form of different deities, okay? And that these deities are these, uh, those names we just touched upon. And so the difference, of course, in Jainism is that there is no God, there is no God as a creator. We idolize, I think that's the right, we idolize the souls of the Tirthankars because we want to emulate them. Not because they have a power over what goes on at Earth. In fact, they are disinterested in what, what goes on at Earth, on Earth. And that's a good thing because we want to be disinterested in what's going on on Earth. And the big thing is that these gods have emotion. And so they like being idolized. And they dislike, they dislike it when you do something that they don't like or what they don't represent. And because they have emotions, they can, um, people pray to them and pray for their favor and pray for their kind of help in their life. Whereas we know that that help is not coming. Right? We have to, um, we have to do it on our own. 
So that's one of the big differences. Uh, I would say that Hinduism is very polytheistic, and Jainism is not theistic at all. To the point, I don't know, <clears throat> when uh, that point of multiple gods, I used to say the same thing because we have different, I didn't think of a way Right. I would say Hinduism, we all have multiple gods. Right. And, right, and it's very important. Remember that Tirthankars are souls just like you. And we, we uh, admire the things that they did because we wish that we could do those things and we want to use them as an example to do those things in our life. the biggest difference that we see between Hinduism or any other religion and Jainism is that other religion teaches you how to be the best worshipper of a god, but Jainism teaches you how to become a god. Okay? If you think about that, that you have the same power as what Mahavir and other souls had. So that's the big difference what we think other religions teaches you how to be a worshipper of Lord Shiva or Rama and all, but you have a power to become one of them. That's the difference. Thanks for coming today. We're learning about the differences between Jainism and Hinduism. And so uh, we talked about Hinduism um, has a kind of a God as a creator concept. God created the universe. Um, Hinduism um, is polytheistic. Uh, we're talking about the differences between Jainism and Hinduism. Um, Hinduism espouses different things that you're supposed to do as human. The main difference is being at some stage you're supposed to pursue pursue material things and enjoy those material things while you're a human. And um, those are the main differences. Um, any other questions or comments? Does anybody have any kind of uh, story where they inter where they interacted with the Hindu? I have a question. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, I believe that Jainism is considered older, but in, uh, but the various research that I've done has always said that they're all on Hindu sites, so they said that Hinduism was older. Uh, so, I guess the right answer is I don't know. One thing I do know is that a lot of people think Hinduism is so popular that a lot of people think that Jainism is an offshoot of Hinduism or like a different sect of Hinduism. I do know that that's not true. And these uh, Hindu, this Hindu research that I have done affirms that that's not true. Um, and so uh, they are, uh, and one thing that's important to know is that, as we discussed last time, whether you believe it or not, uh, religions are in a competition with each other for followers. And if a religion such as Jainism once did was in danger of losing a lot of followers, they will co-opt a lot of uh, popular uh, popular pujas, popular stavans, popular parts of Hindu culture in order to remain popular, right? That's just a fact of life, and that's what Jainism has done. Uh, Hinduism is so popular, it's the third most popular religion in the world. There's hundreds of millions of followers, 95% are in India. And so it's only natural, uh, I guess, maybe not natural is the right word, it's only inevitable that Jains being so outnumbered would try to uh, change different parts of the practice of the religion to make it more accommodating to Hinduism. Whether you like it or not, that's just the reality of 
of what it is. So you can't change it. There's no need to worry about it. But the, as we've identified today, there are some key differences um, that make it a separate religion from Hinduism. So the Hindu scriptures are the Vedas and the Upanishads, and that's where most of the principles come from. And they were an oral tradition that was passed down until they got put in writing, um, I think about th uh, thousands of years ago. And that's one thing I wanted to mention. A lot of people don't understand. There are pros and cons to having an oral tradition. People think, oh, it's only, it's only the best when you write it down. And that's actually not true. Uh, one of the beauties of having an oral tradition and not writing anything down is you get to pass on the context of the teaching. Um, and by that I mean, well, you get to make sure that the person you're teaching has the interpretation correct before you, before he leaves his apprenticeship, his or her apprenticeship. And so that way that continuity is there, that same interpretation is there throughout the ages. The problem, uh, obviously, the great thing about writing things down is you can spread it around the world for basically free, okay? Uh, the problem with that is once you write it down and you spread it across the world, well, that person just sees the writing and then has their own interpretation of that writing because you weren't there to be to help them read it. Well, the, that obviously um, begs the question that, well, why don't you just write down the interpretation or write down the context in whatever you wrote down? But we know that's impossible, right? You can't write down the interpretation and the context of it while you were there because it would become too unwieldy. You know that um, when we were in school, we, we, had, uh, we had these books, right? And we had to do these book reports. And the teacher would always tell us about the author and where he grew up and what was going on at the time and what the predominant thought at the time was. And we would go, why do we have to learn this stuff? I just want to read the book. Just ask me about the book. And while well, the teacher would say, no, you have to learn that stuff because that will tell you what the book means. And then we would say, well, why didn't the author just write it down in the book? Right? Well, you can't write down all of that in the book. You can only write down the book. You can't write down what was in the air and what was the dominant thought at the time and what your values were and how those values were a result of the war that happened five years ago. You can't put all that in the book, right? So with the oral tradition, you can get that interpretation right before you release that person in the world. If you just write it down, you can't get that. And so um, obviously, so once, once you write something down and you release it all over the world, you'll have 500 different interpretations and it's out of your control. So, so uh, most people don't know that there is a value in an oral tradition and that's what it is. So the Vedas and the Upanishads and Hinduism um, outline this, outline everything we talked about, about the Brahman, the polytheism, the merging of the soul back into the great soul, and all of that. Questions or comments on, on that? So tell me what you know about Hinduism. What I, what I learned about it is, at least, that Hinduism started as a sort of a culture. The people living on the river of Indus River, uh, which was known in the past, they basically uh, that, that's where it started. 
and that's how it started and then obviously expanded from there. Now in terms of timeline, I don't know the context of Jainism and Hinduism and like you said, it Jainism and Hinduism is Jainism is not sect of Hinduism which is is, is known. So that is, is good to know. I didn't know if that having research, so I didn't know with that firm understanding that it is not. Right. Uh, but that's that's what my recollection of Hinduism is or Hindu culture or religion. In terms of oral versus written, I I think we're in the, the era of written stuff right. and we believe in the written stuff, but I, I see a, a pro of oral, uh, of understanding the context before it's released. Uh, so that, that makes sense. Right. The idea of Hinduism was introduced when you were young while watching Ramayana and Mahabharata. I think that was the all the signs of getting introduced to all the different types of problems and uh, how Krishna can save, or how Arjuna is saved by, or pleased by. I think at a very young age, those, and, and that was our typical routine on a Sunday morning when we did not have a lot of other, uh, there is no Netflix or those kind of things. So, yeah, I would say those two. Uh, series uh, back in India, at least, were the ones which were very popular and were shown or played almost in every home. Right. And that's a very important point. The Mahabharata and the Ramayana are stories developed to show the principles of the Vedas and Upanishads. And they're great stories, right? They're very complex and they have a lot of meaning and a lot of. Um, they, have, they work on a lot of different levels. So if you're a kid, you can enjoy the plot, you can enjoy the action. Um, and then when you get older, you can start wondering why the characters did what they did. And then once you um, become an adult, you can start wondering what the philosophy behind them were. And that will lead you to the Vedas and the Upanishads. And in fact, you know, they're considered the great works of India, right? If anybody knows anything about uh, any Indian literature, it's the Mahabharata and the Ramayana. Um, and so that's a very important point. Uh, James don't have that, right? We have the stories of Mahavir's life. That's kind of, that's kind of our, uh, we have like the, the books, right? The Adams and the, the Sparta Sutra, but those are like the Vedas and the Upanishads. They're like, this is the truth. This is how you should live your life. This is it. It's not wrapped up in a story to get people interested in it, to get characters, to get action, to get... So maybe, you know, that's one of the things we can do, right? Maybe we can have a story that... Maybe we can have a story. What would a story be? What would the Jain Mahabharat be? Uh, so a couple of points. I think there are stories, but maybe not as famous as like Mahabharat and Ramayana. Right? Right. It is about some Mara Sahibs and like you said, Mahavir's story, his life and everything. And same thing we have for other Tirthankars as well, but not as famous because it never got commercialized like showing on TV where people would follow. And then uh, another comment is, uh, so there is also Jain version of Rama and Mahabharata. Uh, so, and, and there are some subtle differences on how the TV show interprets it to make it a little bit more, you know, uh, spicy, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, versus that. But, but you're right, I mean, it's not as famous as these things. 
Right, and it's not as famous because there's not as many Janes as there are Hindus there. And so, uh, yeah, that that is a, a good point. And, and, you know, some people wouldn't want that for Jainism, right? Some people wouldn't want a commercialization of the religion. Uh, some people wouldn't want it to be a kind of a mass market product. They would see somehow that you are denigrating the religion. Um, but for me, it's just, well, these are, it's a way to enjoy the principles of the religion on a different level, especially for children, right? And so, and we have that thing. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The, our kids in Fatsala, they learn the theory, uh, the, they, and they learn about the Tirtumper's lives and like what they did in their life. But they don't, but they weren't all, of course, alive at the same time and they didn't interact with each other and things like that, so. Maybe maybe we can develop a story, develop a James story to uh, to explicate James. I'd like to add to that. I remember the days when Mahabharata and Ramayana was going on in India, and it was like I think Sunday morning nine to ten or something like that, and almost there's a pin drop silence. Yeah. Nobody moves during that time frame. It, everybody sitting in front of TV, and I obviously the child never thought about it as a teaching of a religion. Now that we look back, we said okay. But it was so well ingrained on everybody's life. I mean, I, I can't even imagine like you know certain Jains or non-Jains or uh, Hindu or I, it was it was such a such a thing that everybody does. It's like a cricket match. Like people watch it religiously. And thinking back now, as we discuss about it, like that's how it kind of that was the introduction, right? I mean, because a lot of us may have gone to some uh, Hindu temples, but not in a learning way. This was. Uh, an artificial way to, or a, a way to learn it, not artificial. So, thinking about it, yeah, why, why don't we have such a thing for us? Uh, where you just learn it subcon uh, unconsciously and then... And, and the reason, like you said, uh, why it was actually a major success is at that time the options were also limited, right? So, yeah. if, if you were to do something now, now it is... One no, of the thousand options. Now, now even within the house, people, four people are watching different things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, now it's very different, uh, difficult to force or right show that, something. Uh, yes. That time we didn't have any choice. In fact, we didn't even have a TVs and all, so we used to run and go to the Somebody house. else's house. So the, exactly. the one with the exactly. TV was all full uh, to watch Ramaya and it was... And there you didn't have choice to record it and watch it later. Yeah, yeah, and the importance yeah, yeah. and there was no second, you know, there's no repeat, you yes. watch it or you so there, it was a different time. It was done very well. Uh, so yeah. But is that the stories or is that truly what has happened, right? Just like what we are saying, all our Tirtankars did exist. Same thing for the Hinduism. They do exist and there are places in India even today. It's even more things to find for Hinduism religion, you know, uh, places like uh, where Mahabharata happened or, uh, you know, Karnalate and you can look at Panipat and all of those things Ayodhya. are there, Ayodhya, you see it in uh, Krishna Janmabhumi and you see it on uh, Mathuras and all of that. So, so I think both have the facts, but if we truly put in perspective for Jainism, if when Krishna was there as an individual, as a human, could be he, our Tirthankar at some point, based on the way he 
has shared his karmas. So that is another soul existed. And if you put that in Jainism perspective, could that be? So, so, they, so according to Jain uh, thing, uh, Jain Mahabharata, all of the, I mean, most of the characters, they went to Moksha or will be going to Moksha if you read that. Mm. And again, every people who does Virjara and attains Moksha, right. not everybody is still Correct. Liberate so, soul. Correct. Absolutely. So, is for you have to have certain eligibility and what you do. Uh, but but there are all of them or most of them, if you see, if you read, parents tell me, like even Pandavas. Exactly. Right? So, Pandavas. Pandavas went to Moksha and if you go to Shatranja, there is a temple and yes. they say they did sadhana there and they correct. went to Moksha. Correct. So, it is sort of linked, but like I said, it's a different <coughs> version of stories from Hinduism. They say they it's did certain things and went to equivalent moksh right. for Hinduism and Jainism is a different instrument to it. So it's, it's, that. it's yeah. that. So one other thing I wanted to mention is that we just talked about the differences today. There are many similarities, um, but uh, so there's quite a, quite a few similarities, right? Um, you have to have right knowledge, right action, right speech. You do... Um, you worry about your karma and you try to do good things so you don't get bad karma. Um, so th there's there's quite a few also, similarities. This is just one similarity I yeah. sometimes I feel is like, you know, when they have fasting and all, uh, some of the things that they don't need to, they don't eat rice or this and that. Like the Islam people feel, I feel that sometimes it's really matches with our fasting or Ambil or something like that. So somehow that also sometimes they follow those kind of things which we have. So then different sects of uh, Hinduism, where Brahmins, they are a little bit more stronger and closer to Jainism in terms of what they eat and not, right? So mm -hmm. they have similar concept of uh, underground vegetables they avoid. Uh, so there are similarities and also uh, the part, Ahinsa part, I think that's pretty similar. They don't have like Bakri. Yes. So, um, there are some similarities and differences. Right, and as you know, uh, many Hindus are vegetarian as well. So, in fact, what I want to leave you with is that there are more similarities than differences. We just talked about the differences today and how that will help you be a better ambassador for Jainism. So, But this class has always been how you can apply what you learned outside of these four walls into your life. So now that you know about the differences between Jainism and Hinduism, has that clarified anything for you? Has that made you change what you might do later? Has that allowed you to become a, a better kind of person when talking about different religions? How can we apply this to our life? I, I have one, one question related to this uh, that I don't have an answer for. I understand the, the deep Jainism says that we are not supposed to go to a Hindu temple, let's say, or any temple other than Jain temple. Uh, it recently came up in, in one of our discussions and I, I was wondering, and I, let's say Hinduism, for example, is it okay for Jain to go to Hindu temple? That would be something that I would like to, to, to get some insight on. I do it, I, I, be, I believe wherever I can go and have a peaceful uh, time, whether it's a Jain temple or Hindu temple, or even a, a mosque or a church for that reason, it's it's okay for me personally. But I understood from somebody that Jainism doesn't allow that. 
So I would like to know where that person got that idea. Yeah. So this there is a concept of heresy and apostasy, right, in religion. That is, you shouldn't speak falsely. That is, if you believe or promote this other religion, that is a bad mark on you. I do not. I have seen. I have not seen anywhere that Jainism said that. Uh, certainly, we have the concept of anigantvad. And certainly uh, Hindus have a similar concept of the many forms of accessing the divine. So the many ways that we can access God. Because God is not male or female, human or animal, some people like the different qualities that are represented. Um, so they, Hindus certainly believe that worship can come in many forms, and they're very open to that. Um, I would disagree with the person that said that to you. Certainly our concept is, if you, uh, like, uh, monia karma, which is the deluding karma. So if you don't understand the truth, let's say if you're another religion, and you don't understand the truth of how the universe works, that is going to cause you additional karma, because you're not, you're in that kind of fog, and you're attracting karma without doing any samvara and nirdra. So that's the bad part, okay? But going to a Hindu temple? I don't think so. Going to talking with other people or learning about their religion? I don't think so. Okay, so I would disagree with that person. And if it, if it is true, I would like to know where it is. You know, my mind is always open. I don't pretend that I know everything about Jainism. I would like to know where it is, or if there's somewhere in some writing that says, "Oh, you'll get bad karma merely for going to a different temple." That's not actually. Jesus. I've heard this when growing up. My mom was a firm believer. She, I mean, 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, no, I, I would say 15 years ago, she, if uh, I used to ask her, let's go to the temple, she will stay outside, stand outside, but not come inside. But from last 20, 15, 20 years, she has changed and now she comes to the temple. But yeah, she used to say the same thing, no, uh, we are not supposed to go there. But you want to go, you go. So, Mara Sahib and Masajiji, I have heard them saying it, and I had that in the back of my mind, but then I used to follow, uh, you know, Shiva and all, I used to do those things. Okay, so, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, so, I, we had that same question, uh, and, and I had a Mas Mara Sahib as well. And the answer that I remember, if I'm interpreting correctly, they said, you visit any temple, don't be disrespectful to any religion uh, because if you respect, then they will respect your religion. So don't get into that. You can go anywhere. Uh, from, as long as you're not promoting their religion, because that is not what our Tithankar has said, you're fine. So if we go to Masjid, for example, your friend says, hey, come along. You go, be respectful, don't do anything incorrect. But if we come out and then say, this is the way to do it, then you are essentially promoting different principles that is not in line. And, and that I, was the answer. And I, and I feel like, um, because in India it used to happen that people, you know, the religion conversion happens a lot in India. So that was one of the reasons I felt like because of Maharashtra and Masakri, because when they go to village and all, they see a lot of people get converted into Christian because they get a lot of benefits. Lot of, so, so that was the reason I think. And, and, and there in India, like I, 
I had friends who were Hindus, so they believe in Ganpati, right? And that's not our God, it's a God, not our 24th Vintangas. Yeah, you go and respect and do what you're supposed to do. Don't be disrespectful. I, at least that's what that Maharaj said. So I can, yes. So uh, I actually had something to interject. So my grandmother was also, uh, uh, you know, like very religious for Jainism and stuff. But we actually started going to a Swaminarayan temple just to understand, you know, what, what's the similarities and dissimilarities between the two beliefs, if you will. So I think someone said something very critical or very interesting, is that it's still okay to go to anywhere else with the intention of maybe learning or maybe comparing. But if we try to advertise or if we try to you know, have not, not have faith in Jainism, and if we begin to think like, oh, maybe this place I'll begin to have more faith, I think that's a little bit kind of that gray area that it's like uh, not acceptable, if you will, or not promoted. So, okay, so based on your discussions, I think I have the logic that gets us there, okay? So Jainism is the truth, right? And whenever we spout lies, that's a form of violence. Whenever we teach lies, that's a form of violence, and we'll receive karma for that. For example, if you teach your kids the wrong thing, that's a form of violence and we receive negative karma for that, right? So what happens in the parent example is that uh, obviously the, the parent wants to promote the truth and minimize the exposure of their children to things that would obfuscate the truth from them, right? So in, in that respect, it might be that our parents didn't want us to go to a Hindu temple because we didn't have that critical eye yet, or that 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 um, intention of going with a comparison purpose, right? It's just it would be like exposing you to lies for no reason, right? And so, and then there's this concept of deluding yourself, right? So, if this concept of well, if you promote another religion, um, you're perpetuating falsehood. So you would receive negative karma from that. So I could see how in a roundabout way that would get us there, okay? Where, well, based on all that context, now the bright line rule is you can't go to the temple, okay? But just like we talked about, we need that context and we need that interpretation. We need to carry it with us. Yeah, maybe for kids, the bright line rule is you can't go to the temple. You can't go to that temple. You'll get bad karma. But that's not exactly right, okay? It's that... You'll go there, and that's fine if you like it, but if you don't understand your own religion enough, okay, well, you'll start believing that, and, you know, that's fine, and now you're getting more and more mohaniya karma, or you're deluding yourself more and more, okay? And obviously, we don't like that uh, for our kids. Um, so I can see how we get there, uh, and I did see that before. Um, but it's kind of a... Kind of a... Uh, uncritical view of it. It's kind of a oversimplification to get there. Well, what's interesting that after a discussion I, I realized that something that I've been doing, for example, every time you know we go to Swaminarayan Monday, we, we look for something positive there or something that's happening as well and you know the kids basketball or the cafe and stuff like that and subconsciously or unconsciously we say okay you know they're great and we compare ourselves to them that we should do it what they do it and things like that and obviously that's for our betterment, but at the same time, it's a promotion, right? I mean, if I think about it, that when I when I make a comment, it's it's a promotion of BAPS mm -hmm. in a way. And 
for a reason that I guess they didn't do well here in the US. But now I'm going to ask myself, is that a promotion? Or, you know, if I go there, I do the things, respect, and come back, that's one thing. But now when I'm thinking about it and think about positive things that happen there, is that the right thing to do? Uh, for my, my karmas, uh, as a comparison with Jainism, and would you do it in centers? Any answers for me here? No, I think learning good from anywhere is not bad to me. You're comparing that to see something, a different opinion, and say, can we do it at our temple? Right? That's, that's what you're doing. Now, you go there, you pray, do you say no karma mantra, you pray Shiva, you pray some other god, all different things, right? So, uh, you know, anytime you go, typically the first thing comes in your mind when you have close your eyes and pray, typically would come no karma mantra in your mind, no matter where you are, right? So, it, I don't think anything is wrong in comparing things um, and how the things are evolved, uh, looking at the fact, looking at the history and come up with something that, can we do something like that? You know, I, having a quiet temple is such a good thing to have. I mean, we always wish here, can we have a little bit of peace when we go to the temple? As far as we have a clarity that we are going there to see the good thing and then coming back, we know our, because what happens if we take our kids also with us? Right. I mean, not negatively, but just want to bring this point that Muslims are very strict about it because they don't want their kids to divert anywhere. They are very strict about it. We are Hindus and Jainism, in, in Jainism and Hindus, we are very open. We are ready to, you know, okay, let's go, good places, good thing. But as far as we have a clarity in our mind and we discuss about it with our kids also, yeah, this is very good. But we teach our kids also that we have everything and we have more than what we have. I mean, not because, and we are not trying to say that we are better than others, but if we don't show our own value, then our kids will think, oh, everything is safe. So, and then when they would grow, uh, they would not think any difference and they would say, oh, I don't, my parents never differentiated it. Why am I differentiating? Okay, I'm going to be okay with this person or that person yeah. or this person. So, this is all actually small, small things, but. When, because a lot of people say that, I mean, I, I my daughter is 12 years old. I mean, I, I told her, get married to, I mean, different templates. I tell her that, get married to Jainism. But if you cannot make Jainism, then go within Hinduism. You know? So, see, this is what our thinking is. And then if I open up for everything for them, then my daughter is going to do the same, same thing. So, that's, this is all very, I would say, very, very difficult thing. Just one comment to, to what your question. And one thing that I've learned as well professionally, and I can give examples some other day. But, uh, but so comparison is good, learning from others is good, right? We should be learning. But, but sometimes what I've learned is you learn that and apply here and say, how about let's say, building a temple made up of marbles like we have there, but without referencing that place. That we are not promoting, you are learning, you are still passing the message. And, uh, and I've learned this very hard way in, in my professional world because I have changed roles and locations and regions. And when you reference other region or your past work where you are working, other company, that gets a little bit tricky and sensitive. Okay, so something to be, uh, I mean, I never reference, I'm like, hey, I've Seen this in the past, and that's a really the studio passing the message. Yeah. Uh, my answer to your question is that it's fine because you're not promoting falsehoods. 
You're not causing violence by causing somebody to, to be deluded about the way the universe works. And so I would think that would be okay. So questions or comments about anything we talked about? Yes. I have a question. Um, so as a practicing Hindu, learning about Jainism, I think like the biggest thing for me is I'm, you know, I'm not completely Jain. I'm still learning about it, but I was brought up as Hindu. Um, and so how does that build up karma for me as I'm still kind of getting there to the point where I can call myself Jain? It doesn't. In fact, it does the opposite. Um, you are slowing down the karma that you are accumulating by learning about the truth. That is, your sambar is increasing and your nirdra is increasing. So that means you're on the right path. Other questions or comments? So, uh, what are the differences we mentioned about Hinduism? Sure. The biggest differences are Hindus believe in God as a creator, that uh, the deities have emotions, and that means you are you should try to please them and try not to displease them. Um, that we are God, Brahman, the absolute, the divine, for God is in everything and everywhere. Um, it is a polytheistic religion. We are not a theistic religion at all. And there are certain things, there are certain categories of things you should do at certain times in your life, um, such as pursue material prosperity and enjoy that material prosperity that um, we do not believe. Those are the main differences. Yes. So I have another question, I guess. So there's, uh, you know, we, we spoke about the, the, you know, Hinduism and Jainism. What about something like, uh, like, like Buddhism versus Jainism? I know that Buddhism has like multiple, you know, different sects, if you will. But when people usually ask me, like, hey, like you're Indian, are you Hindu or whatever? I usually say no. I'm, I'm Jain, and then they're like, well, what is Jainism? And then I'm like, well, it's very close to Buddhism than Hinduism, in a way. Um, I don't know if this is a good point for today's class, but um, is there anything, I guess, like anyone else has a comment about Buddhism versus Jainism? Well, that's a different class entirely, right, Sampriti? Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, is anybody interested in learning about that, the difference between differences between Jainism and Hinduism, because maybe we can do that next week. Anybody want to learn about that? I know Sampriti does. Okay, so does anybody have any differences between Jainism and Buddhism? Okay, so we don't have the answer to your question, but I can get the answer to your question. Um, I can um, brush up on my Buddhism and see, see what those differences are. So, um, Jintan told me that he is open to having Dad's class sponsor a lunch before the end of May. Is anybody else interested in sponsoring lunch before the end of May? I know we did it at one point. Um, we did, we served, we served, we, cre we cooked and we served food and we created the menu and we advertised for it. And it, I think it was a big hit. We did Jane food. And I remember one time we wanted to surprise everybody by serving no food. Having a fast, that was that's class sponsorship. Uh, I think that that's still on the table. Uh, does anybody, is anybody still interested in 
in sponsoring the lunch. And if you are, know that the next question I'm going to ask you is, you're in charge of sponsoring, of getting everybody organized to sponsor the dad's class lunch. So, a little bit out of this. What's yes, that? Yes. Is yes. this like actually making the food or is this like a donation or something? Both, both. We have to pay for the ingredients. We have to come oh. into the kitchen. We have to make the food that day and we have to serve it every, to everybody at lunchtime. Okay. Only, Ch only Chintin wants to sponsor a lunch? No, oh, I'll sponsor. Okay, good. I'm good. Okay, how about this? How about let's raise our hands if you're interested in sponsoring lunch. Okay, we got a very good group here. Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to take charge. Uh, Sampati wants to help sponsor. Oh, I, I, I raised the hand for the sponsoring. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Um, and so, okay, so we got uh, enough interest. So maybe I'll put Chintin in charge since since he did. I would love to be in charge, but I have to learn about Buddhism this week, so I can't do it this week. So we have to find a date. We have to plan the menu. Okay, we have to figure out who's getting the ingredients. Somebody's got to be in charge of collecting all the money because that's the hard part, right? Um, and then we got to have enough people on that date to help make the food, and then we got to serve the food that day. So it's quite quite a big project for me to take on, uh, along with other things. Does anybody want to volunteer to be in charge? Okay. No, no, we all can't. <laughs> Somebody's got to be in charge. There's a lot of things to do. He, he might, he might, um, Arshish and Chintin might divide up the responsibilities among you. How about that? Okay, thank you everybody for coming this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody online too. Uh, quick question. So for the sponsorship, uh -huh. is there any, like, can I sell someone? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will, I will definitely, I have your email address. I will definitely be sure to include you on, um, on any of the emails that are going around. Okay. Thank you for your interest in sponsoring lunch. Thank you everybody for your time this week. It's not something I take for granted. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.